Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to the afternoon session of Ausbiz as we kick off with the call as we usually do midday Eastern Daylight Time. 10 stocks suggested by you, plus a stock of the day I throw into. I put those stocks to our expert panel for their adjudication. It's fast and furious, it's informative and a lot of fun and terrific panel today. Andrew Page from Strawman is with us. Andrew Page, good to have you aboard. G'day Koshi. And Gary Glover from Novus Capital joins us. Gary, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm excellent, David. Thank you. Good. Uh, A lot to get through and always love talking to you too. So let's get straight down to business. Um, The five stocks in this first half hour of the call, we're going to be covering Block, Cogstate, Playside Studios, an interesting one. In fact, one Gary Glover Mm -hmm. predicted this stock last year as a potential stock that could change your life. Uh, One of our viewers wants an update on it. Uh, Navarro Minerals will be covering and also Blackmores. But before we get into it, uh, stock of the day, something that's um, in the news today, um, GrainCorp out with their full year guidance, forecasting full year profits to come in between $235 to $80 million. Earnings projected to uh, top $500 million as well, thanks to a strong Australian grain market. Exports expected to top 9 million metric tonnes as it continues to benefit from uh, pretty good weather conditions. Uh, shares firmly in the green this morning, um, up 14%. Um, of course, it's uh, into grain storage, grain handling, uh, processing. That's the, the whole integrated uh, um, uh, position in that, uh, in that grain silos, if you like, business model silo. Uh, Gary, what do you think of the Grain Corp result and the stock price at these levels? Yeah, look, I think obviously it's a great result there. I think um, you got a bit of a tip there last week with uh, New Farm obviously having a strong result. Everyone sort of knew the grains was going to be pretty robust here. Um, obviously a great um, you know, agricultural sort of last 12 months for Australia. I think the the big plus in that uh, update this morning was probably not so much the headline number or um, cracking result. It was actually that uh, 2023 looks like it's going to be pretty strong as well. So mm. if we look at some of the earnings that were out there, everyone was expecting a pretty good result in 22, but the numbers were definitely tapered off in sort of some of that forecast for 23. So I think that the, the fact that they've come out and said 23 is looks like it's going to attract pretty strong as well. Um, early indications is 23 is going to be strong. That's probably the big sweetener there today. And that and that's um, it's a pretty positive there. So look, big jump, hard to chase it after it's uh, rallied, what, 14%. But yep. um, the fact that we've got a stronger outlook, you know, a bit longer term here is um, is pretty positive for the stock. So I, if I held the stock, I wouldn't be selling it. I'd be definitely holding on here. I think stock goes higher 
just sort of from a trading perspective here, how do you, you know, um, position here, you know, with a reasonable amount of risk reward? So, um, so it's a hold for me, but I think it goes higher. Okay, uh, Pagey, what do you think of Grandcorp? Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it, you can't get better con- conditions for a company like this, can you? When because you always talk about cyclical businesses when you come on with businesses like this. Well, this is really peak cycle, is it? It, it, yeah, and, and this is what happens when when all everything lines up. So not only have we had great growing conditions, the Northern Hemisphere has had a lot of demand for Aussie grain. They've had supply issues there. Grain Corp saying that they haven't had much in terms of supply chain disruptions. Everything has just lined up. And you're seeing this massive jump in, in profit, which, which is great news. And as Gary rightly pointed out, it's encouraging that they're expecting the next year to be pretty strong as well. Um, it's a 100-year-old business. It's been around for a long time. And although the last 12 months in terms of the share price has been fast, uh, fantastic, as we panned out, as we did a moment ago, you'll see the longer-term performance isn't that great from a share price perspective, but also from a fundamentals perspective. The sales growth has been pretty anemic. Operating margins have been trending down quite sharply uh, recently. Um, and it's... it's Yes, a very big, well-established business, but also a very, very tough business. And it's one with, you know, when we're in, in this game, we're trying to sort of forecast cash flows. And who knows what growing conditions are going to be like in uh, 2024, 2025, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Who knows if they can manage to turn margins around. I think a lot of that's kind of in the price, really. I mean, if, just on, on the, the numbers that they released today, they're looking, you're looking at a company on a forward PE of about seven to eight or so, which is very, very low. But I think the market's sort of accepting the fact that this is an extraordinarily lumpy business and a very, very difficult business. So it's great that we're experiencing good times at the moment. But generally speaking, I'm trying to look out sort of five years plus, what's a business like this earning then? And I think it's hard because of the cyclical nature of it. You sort of have to have an average look through the cycle. You have to be someone who's very prepared for a very lumpy kind of business performance. But for me, that means that why a you have to be patient. You know, the next six months, next twelve months is is great, but value is is in the long term cash flows, mm. and that's just very difficult. So so for me, it's I go with Gary. I think it's it's probably a hold. But on that on the same basis, I think it's and I I know I always say this. I'm a broken record, but opportunity cost is something I think we have to really focus on in investors. So is this a terrible business? Absolutely not. Is this one of the best 20, 30 businesses on the ASX? And you know, when your money is in Grain Corp, it's not in others that might be a little bit better. Right. So yeah. a hold if you like that kind of thing. But for me, you know, personally, I'm not a, I'm not a buyer, I'm not a holder. Um, I think there's better opportunities. Okay, all right. Let's get into the stocks that you've sent in, you want me to uh, put to the panel. And uh, Andrew, Ian wants a view on Block. Now, a lot of people might be thinking, oh, that's the new Afterpay or the renamed Afterpay. Well, it's not. Afterpay is part of this company. It's basically block in the US and it's their shares listed here in Australia because of the afterpay takeover. Um, It's capitalised at more than Westpac uh, to give you an indication of the size. Uh, It includes a square point of sale system, Cash App, which is a mobile payment service. There's a stream music streaming service in it as well. what do you think of a uh, of block, Andrew? It's a it's a totally different beast than just being afterpay, is it? 
you, you've absolutely emphasized the right point there, Koshi. Um, Afterpay, a big part of the business, of course, but it's a lot more than that. So those who are holding Afterpay shares got, I think, 0.37 or something shares in Block uh, as a consequence of that. Block's a really impressive company. I mean, just staggering kind of growth that they've delivered over the long term. Just having a quick look this morning, the US sales were 4.7 million in 2019 and 16.7 million in the trading trailing 12 months. Hey, That's I'll phenomenal growth. Uh, sorry, yes, yeah, yeah, it's just huge. Sorry, you're right. Only out by a factor of a thousand there. But, um, <laughs> the growth, the growth uh, uh, quantum is 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 what's important, and that is, and that is just massive. And this is a profitable profitable business too, uh, free cash flow positive. It's really great. Um, shares have come back about sixty percent or so. We know what sort of happened in technology, U.S. technology uh, shares in general, and also here at home. The thing is, though, even after all of that, you're still looking on a at a business that's on a PE of 100 or so. Now, PE is a very dangerous kind of metric. It's a lovely little shorthand, but th the devil's in the detail. It's not necessarily expensive if they can continue that very, very high rate of growth and they can, they can manage some decent margins longer term. The tricky part of this is, so I, again, I'm not, it's only recently come to the ASX, so I'm trying to play a bit of catch up here. I had a quick jump. Uh, online and have a look at some of the forecasts here. Now, forecasts are forecasts, so take it with a grain of salt. But the consensus is for sales to go at around nine percent per annum between FY sorry nine percent between uh, this year and next year. Uh, it's not it's not huge. And you also look although they've had these really innovative products, this is a highly competitive space. So Apple recently is announcing that it's entering into the payment space as well. And because these these phones have NFC chips in them, they'll be able to. You actually able to just use your phone or an iPad mm. uh, as a point of sale system without anything else. And that's not to sort of say that, that means that Block is done and dusted. Far from it. Only that it's a highly competitive space. It's a very very rapidly evolving space. And despite a 60% pullback in in value of their shares, you're still uh, looking at a business that has a lot of uh, uh, optimism priced into it. So I wouldn't be betting against this company. But I feel as though things sometimes look cheap when you look at it contextually to where the share price will. I think what's actually happened, you've gone from a really extreme, perhaps even ridiculous kind of valuation to something that's still on the high end. Right. Um, so for me, it's just a, it's a little bit up there. And uh, it's, it's one for the watch list, definitely. But I wouldn't be buying at these levels. Okay. Uh, Gary, what do you think of Block? Of course, founded by Jack Dorsey. Uh, uh, had the... Um uh, fortune to interview him two or three years ago. He's a bloke that created uh, not one but two multi-billion dollar companies in Square and also Twitter. Um, remarkable bloke. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, look, I have to agree with sort of Andrew here. I think the, um, I mean, the share price uh, in US terms has come back from what, 290 back to $100. So that's come back to the 2018 high. So that, that often is actually when price comes back to old highs, that can be a bit of a uh, price zone. So 150 here, obviously, that's obviously in um, Aussie dollar terms. Aussie dollars, but yep. but if you're looking for obviously not much history on on block here on the Aussie chart, but if we want to go back and look at the block chart, there's plenty of history on that chart there um, in the US terms. So that's that's a better one to look at there. So look, technically there's a bit of a level here around 100. dollars So might get a little bit of a bounce here in in that stock price, but I agree with Andrew. I, I think um, even though we've had a two-thirds decline in the share price there, for me, the Nasdaq's only had one leg down here. So we've fallen 19% on the Nasdaq, having a little bit of a bounce here at the moment. 
I think there's a big move in the NASDAQ. I think basically um, a lot of those techs, there's a you know, growth crunch coming here, interest rates, just a lot of headwinds for the growth So segment. the big move so is I, down, not up. The big move in growth stocks is down further. Yeah. This, this is only really the first leg down here. So to me, if I was interested in Square, I'd be waiting here until probably the middle of this year. I think there's another leg down in right. the NASDAQ. Um, and then, let's say people think, oh, we've, we've lost, you know, 60% of the value. That's pretty big there. But go back and look at the NASDAQ 2000 when those sort of moves there. When the NASDAQ was up 80%, so some of the shares took really big hits. So yeah. don't fall in the trap thinking, oh, yeah, we've lost two-thirds of the value. It's, it's you know, we, that's, that's great value. So it's, sometimes they can come off sort of... Um, 80%. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the Mark Minervini rule there that um, when, when you get these leading sectors there, I think 50% will, uh, sorry, 50% sort of will come back um, 80% and obviously um, 80 sort of come back 50%. So this could be, you know, one of one of the larger ones. So we've already surpassed 50, um, but sometimes they can come up a bit more. So okay. look, technically, I think you get a bit of a bounce here in the short term, but wouldn't surprise me to see this come back a bit lower here, maybe you know, could even half again potentially by the middle of the year. So just got to wow. be careful buying growth stocks here, I right. think, with, a, as Andrew said, still got a pretty high PE. And um, if growth gets crunched here later on in the year, which I think it will, then, yeah. But yeah. Okay, yeah. that's it. That's interesting because Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets was, uh, and he's he's a, he's a chart like, like you are, Gary. Uh, he was on Ausbiz on Friday and he's saying, any of these bounces in tech stocks and bounces in the NASDAQ, don't see them as a turnaround, see them as a chance to sell in to, a, uh, to a, an uptick because there's a lot worse going to come. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. I mean, yeah, the one thing you've seen with, the, with all the indices is what they call like an overbalance in price. So normally when you're in a bit of a bull market, each pullback will come back in sort of, what, you know, whether it's points percentage or or time, um, you're seeing that all the pullbacks have been quite right. um, kind of kind of uniform. Yeah. The, the last pullback is the biggest correction of the move, so it's the longest and and the deepest. Mm. So when you get that sort of what they call an overbalance of the trend, that's normally okay. a bit of a precursor of a of a change in trend. Okay, interesting. All right, um, Lydia Andrew wants a view on Cog State now. This is um, a business that's in in basically digital brain health assessment, isn't it? Quite highly regarded uh, with, within academia. Um, what do you think of Cogstate, Andrew? Yeah, I like it. I've got a few shares. Um, we're hoping to speak to the CEO. He's coming along to the next strongman meeting next month. Um, it seems it's funny, really. It's, it's an online cognitive test. Um, so you wouldn't think that there's much barriers to entry here, but there's something like 20 to 30 years of track record here. It's kind of become the standard, uh, both in terms of uh, healthcare applications, so just, just monitoring patients, but more interestingly, used in the development of drugs. And the, the big focus here is with Alzheimer's research as mm. well. So there's a lot of interesting stuff coming through the pipeline. So what's interesting about that is whatever happens with these drugs, whether they prove successful or not, they need to validate the efficacy uh, in some standard uniform kind of way. And Cogstate is really seen as that, as that thing. So when you, when you look at the, uh, the financials of this business, I mean, it's just eye-watering kind of growth 
that they're delivering. Just recently, I'll read out some numbers for you. You know, uh, record clinical sales contracts up 141% uh, over the last year. Uh, contracted forward revenues up 70%. Group revenue uh, uh, up 20 up 67% to $23 million. Uh, cash flow moving in the right direction, very strong balance sheet. So we really like it uh, at Strawman. Um, the, I think the market, what was interesting with this is when they released those results and the shares just like fell away really rapidly, probably to do with the fact that the second quarter wasn't, it was a very strong six month period, but the second quarter wasn't as strong as the first. Um, I think that probably lacks a bit of nuance and understanding from the market here. That was an just an amazing first quarter. It really took mm. the market by surprise. You can see it on the chart, in fact. Yep. And then, and then um, it, there's going to be some lumpiness in all of this, but I think this is the real value of sort of being a, a patient, disciplined investor. When you got to stand back and understand the sort of context here, you've got a business that has, I think, a, a pretty decent competitive advantage some very, very strong tailwinds, some very, very strong economics, lots of forward contracted revenue. So even if they fail to win too much more work, there's a lot of stuff in the pipeline that's going to come through as well. So um, again, this is one of those stocks I just mentioned before, you have to be careful with PEs and the PE is 80 on a trailing basis here. Uh, however, look at it on a forward basis, uh, given the incredible growth that they've got, and you're looking at something that's probably, you know, only it's only as good as, as the forecast here, but it's probably on something between 25 and 30, which given the growth of the business, given the economics of the business, given the opportunity of the business, it just doesn't seem onerous uh, to me. So yeah, I'm going to put this as a buy. Okay. Gary? Yeah, it's a tough one here. Look, look, really interesting business there. I like the fact that um, like a lot of their contracts, there will be at least three to four months minimum and then can roll out for three years. So that's uh, you know pretty interesting lead time there. The, 300 mil market cap basically and looking at around I think it was 32 mil in revenue um, most importantly is that um, there was NPAT so it was actually they're actually profitable there which is uh, which is nice uh, to see that in this sector here just not massive margins but still still reasonable margins there for business of the state I had a look at that uh, update on the 21st because the stock sold off pretty aggressive there. And I just saw it when I was looking through the numbers, trying to understand why it sold off. And I think there's a bit of a decline in in the um, future contracted revenue, maybe not as juicy as uh, as what the market was looking for. So just got to be careful. Obviously, this is a one, it is a bit of a one trick pony. There really is just sort of um, does Alzheimer's sort of research. So it's really um, relying on the industry to be um, to be doing studies on Alzheimer's. So we saw you know, Pfizer basically pulled out of um, Alzheimer's there I don't know, two or three years ago and said, that's oh, too hard. So mm. really does rely on, on, on um, some of the big farmers doing trials and studies in this, in this area. So that might be lumpy as well, um, up and down a bit there, but interesting business. I just think, just saw that sell off as pretty aggressive. So look, as Andrew said, it's got a pretty, pretty big PE I'd probably sort of stand back, but it might be one to sort of keep an eye on there. Um, but yeah, probably probably behold for me. I, I probably yeah. wouldn't. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't give it a buy. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. So hold, but put it on your watch list. All right, Nino. Um, what's a view, Gary, on Playside Studios? This was uh, the stock you came up with. With uh, when we quizzed everyone, we had a series that there was a stock that could uh, could change your life. Um, <laughs> since you put that in, uh, it's gone up 237% according to Dino. 
Uh, would like to know if these stocks are still being hold. Uh, uh, would you add to them if profits have been taken or do you reckon uh, take profits on it and re-enter at some future date? Uh, Playside, of course, is into online, online games rather than online gaming. And uh, interestingly, it's put itself in a trading halt until tomorrow, uh, Gary, awaiting an announcement. Yeah, and as the share price has popped a bit here. So, uh, look, it's, look, for me, I just sort of followed a formula of sort of leading of, of some of the best performers in the past have sort of had certain characteristics and that sort of, um, like like one of those is a tight register. So basically manager, you know, the, the, the insiders have got a big stake in the business, which was the case here. They're a market leader, which is, uh, this is the case here in that game. And then also being a new, relatively new segment as well. So yep. gaming's still pretty new. And um, so those sort of three of the sort of, six or seven key categories, but those are the three that really jumped out to me. So still got 146 mil market cap, so not not enormous there. So still got still got plenty of uh, upside potential here. I'm, I'm just sort of, I guess my view sort of is that some of these growth stocks are gonna be a little bit under the pump here for the next sort of, you know, probably one to two quarters. So to me, it's probably a bit of a hold here. I probably wouldn't be jumping in at these vales. I think I did a raising around 75 cents. So. Um, if I saw it come back anywhere near sort of 75, 80 cents, I'd probably be definitely a buyer down there. But not sure I'd be adding here just on the price rise. I think, I hope this sort of stock basically when the, when the NASDAQ gets sort of crunched here, I think the stock will hold up, hope, hopefully it'll hold up pretty well. If it, if it can hold up and show some relative strength versus the other you know, other sort of stocks, I still think this, this stock might have some more legs here, but it's probably a hold for me. Okay. Andrew Gary says it's had a bit of a pop. Um, it's up 200%. That's a, a pretty reasonable pop, is it? <laughs> well, I'll add to that. So it's, it's out of its trading hold. It's up 33% today. Ah. Uh, so it's increased in value that much. And this is off. So let me just start at the beginning here. This is, a, this is an incredible business, the biggest games developer uh, in Australia. Uh, we had a chat to the CEO, Jerry Sackis, uh, recently. Really, really impressive gentleman. A lot of hands-on experience in this industry built this business up from scratch. It's really, you know, the big gaming companies are generally overseas, but these guys are punching well above their weight. And they do two things. They sort of do work for hire kind of stuff. So big studios like 2K, for example, will contract them to help them with some of their, their AAA titles. And that's a lovely, nice, consistent source of revenue. Um, but, but the exciting part is when they develop their own IP and you get this it's kind of like the movie industry you know it's it's hard yep. <laughs> you know it's like trying to trying to write a viral tweet <laughs> you know it's sort of it's easy in hindsight to see why it did it but but how do you do it kind of thing but when when these things hit the operating leverage is insane they developed age of darkness or one of the games they worked on recently that's had a really great um uh performance and, and there's the, these the ip the, the gaming industry's changed. One, we've got to stop thinking about this as some niche industry. Games are huge, bigger than movies and music, you know, and growing yep. faster than anything else. It's just absolutely massive, and it's in its infancy as well. And so these um, uh, these franchises last for years. It's not like you make a really great game for 2021 and then it's old news. I mean, they're, they're some of the biggest games for esports in the world were games that developed years ago. So the once once you have success on that, the, the cash generation capacity of it is just absolutely insane. They're very, very smart operators. The reason for today's pop, so last you, you might remember a game called Dumb Ways to Die, um, a little bit of a, a cute app 
was out a little while ago, started as a safety kind of messaging thing for, for school kids, etc. And they bought that in September for $2.2 million. Now they're just, they're getting into this Web3 NFT kind of space. And yes, yes, I know there's a lot of baggage and, and it's a very loaded term these days. But they bunch they minted a bunch of NFTs off the back of this and already made eight point eight million dollars. So four times their purchase price wow. in a, you know, what, five, six months after the acquisition. So this this forgets all of the other kind of stuff that they're going to be doing at this franchise longer term. So the market that, that's just a that is an amazing, amazing payback period. And there's a lot of potential here. It's a huge engagement here. I really like the business. Um uh I my worry, I actually stupidly was a little bit too fussy on, on this, and I, I, I don't hold any. It's very popular on Strawman. Um, I, I fear as though this is one of those businesses that if you wait for it to go back too far, you might you might always be waiting. Um, so uh, it's hard it's hard to buy something that's gone up 33% in a day. It's hard to buy something that's ostensibly at a, at a higher valuation. Then again, it's on a seven times price to sales ratio, which not terrible for a potentially very high margin business with lots of great IP growing very, very rapidly. So I'm actually gonna put this forward as a tentative buy. I, I, would, I wouldn't be taking a huge position at these levels, but you know the market's fickle. You, you yeah. wouldn't be surprised to see this fall away at some point in time. That's, that's a great opportunity. It's yep. excellent business. All right. Yep. Evan wants a view on something a bit more conventional on uh, Navarro Minerals. Uh, Evan says these guys just acquired an operating mine from uh, Evolution. It's a gold mining company. Uh, they now have positive cash flow and profits of 20 million plus per annum. They also hold some of the best gold prospects in the Victorian gold fields. Um, and uh, at eight cents per share, they have a P of five or six. Are they undervalued, Andrew? I just don't know. So I, I think I tried to do a bit of research. It's outside of my wheelhouse, but I did try to do a little bit of research on this. So the most recent quarter, there was $5 million in operating cash flow. So I, I think Evan might have annualized that and to come up with this $20 million figure. And if you do that, yeah, that's a PE of five or six. Um, you've got to remember, though, that, that all that operating cash flow isn't for investors. Um, so, for example, they're spending around $12 million a year, again, just pro-ratering the most recent quarterly results on explore, exploration and evaluation. So a lot of the money that, that they do generate has to go back into sort of finding the next mine. Let's say you do find something that's super exciting, years and years and years of very capital intensive uh, development there. Um, gold businesses are earth moving businesses as well. So for every ton of dirt that they dig, they get between two and four grams of gold. That's a, a lot of dirt to move. And you've, uh, as I say, very, very, very capital intensive. Um, and and also, you know, what are you gonna sell that for? Gold is currently near enough a 20 year high. It's sort of up around those levels. But on average, it's sort of, well, it's well above its average price. So I'm not making any forecast. I'm not silly enough to try and forecast the gold price. But you know, if that comes back, that's 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 a direct impact to margins. So I find these businesses very, very, very difficult. Um, the the cash flow, the cash that they make, most of it goes back into reinvesting the business. Your margins move all over the place as the price of the commodity moves all over the place. Um, just very, very difficult. Okay. The, the history of this business has not been great, um, as it's moved now to a producer. But you know, their, their shares on issue are up 10x so since 2013. And they have to do that just to just to continue to pay the bills. So it's it's not for me. Okay, Gary, is that for you? 
No, not really. No, and I think I prefer some other sort of in in the sector there. So, um, yeah, I mean, one hundred and twenty-one mil market cap. So not huge there, but still a reasonable size for you know a relatively small player. I, I did did notice that um, that the insiders only own seven half percent of the shares. So really, you know, not too much skin in the game from uh, from those closest to the stock. So. That's not an overriding comment for me. That has been, as Andrew points out, quite a few raisings as well. So, um, you know, being quite delusionally. The only interesting thing I will say is that the last uh, two months, there's been um, uh, like a real uh, increase in trading volume. So, um, so when I sort of see it come off a bit of a you know, nasty low like this, and I see volumes that are probably double or triple the average volume, then that tells me there's sort of something possibly going on. So. Um, so that's the only plus I sort of see. I, I, I still don't mind the gold sector. It's sort of interesting how gold stocks really haven't sort of uh, moved in this sort of you know, inflationary period, which is sort of not, not so normal. So I still think maybe this sort of gold trade is sort of, um, you know, it does have some potential here longer term, but I, I'd probably look at some, some others before this one. But the price action is looking one. interesting to me. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Brad wants a view, Gary, on Blackmores, the big uh, vitamin and, and supplements and herbal business uh, operations in Australia, New Zealand and Asia was a bit of a darling when trade was huge between Australia and China and really rose, rode the, uh, the China wave under Christine Holgate when she was there. Yeah, definitely. I had that um, massive move actually after it's it's funny there. Actually, I watched that sort of develop for a few years, and the price never moved. And then all of a sudden, it um, <laughs> eventually did move, and then it just went straight up. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've sort of obviously come back a long way here. It's it's funny. I've actually been watching this sort of stock just because it looks sort of interesting for me. Technically, it looks like it's broken out of a downtrend. It's starting to show signs of recovery and sort of heading up. And recent pullback has sort of has seen the come seen the stock come back and seen some trading volumes come in at the last low. So to me, it's actually looking kind of constructive from a technical point of view. Chart seems to be sort of building a few higher lows and looks pretty positive. The The only negative I'll see is it's still on a pretty reasonable multiple here, still on about 39 times current, yeah. uh, what, 22 and about 31 times 23 earnings. So a bit, bit of a mixed bag from the broking community too. I sort of... It's, Everyone's, but yeah, there's, there's a few strong buys and a few strong sells. So it's a real right. great divide in the view there. Um, yeah. But look, the price action is encouraging to me. I, I quite, I don't mind it. It's like, it looks like a big base sort of building here for Blackmores. But when I saw the valuations, it didn't really compel me to sort of get too excited. Okay. All right. You look at that five year chart, Andrew, from $172 now down to 80 It's a big fall, yeah. isn't it? Classic example of a market getting ahead of itself. So what so what happened here was it was all about the Daigu trade. So yeah. there's lots of students and tourists packing their suitcases full of Blackmore's vitamins and selling them for a nice little margin um, back home. And that just went away. Um, so they've, they've been rapidly trying to reorganize their sales channels. Um, Australia's sales just really, really suffered actually as, as that Daigu trade has gone away. The international sales, China sales, uh, the direct sales are actually doing um, a little bit better. But yeah, revenue growth has been flat for years. You know, I, I just, I struggle with this. I, know, I always get in trouble when I say this, but I think science is on my side. I think they largely sell snake oil, um, highly com competitive market out there. It's, it's essentially trading on the brand. 
And it's, but it's a very competitive um, sort of market that, that's out there. They're undergoing a big transformation program, trying to cut out costs, trying to build out those sales channels, et cetera, et cetera. They're trying to target um, some pretty decent growth. So 850 million in sales by FY24 is what they're looking at. That compares to about 580 million now. But like when you sort of annualize all of that, look at margins, maybe be a bit generous in, in, see, in seeing that they can improve that, you really need to see them even main, uh, maintaining a pretty high multiple in FY24, uh, around about 30, 35 or so. And as an investor, you might get about 10% per year right. on all of those assumptions. So, yeah. so, so the bulls will say, look, they've had this, this, this bump, but now they're building a solid base, a lot of costs, a lot more efficient operation. That's kind of great. But even if that kind of happens according to their expectations and the market maintains a reasonably high multiple, that's harder in a higher inflationary environment, you're still getting a 10% return. So as an investor, I tend to want asymmetric opportunities, you know, where if I get it wrong, there's not too much downside. If I get it right, there's a long way to run. This yeah. doesn't seem to be in that dynamic. So, so for me, it's a pass. Okay. All right, let's recap the first five stocks. Uh, Grain Corp, our stock of the day, a hold from both Andrew and Gary. Uh, Block is a no from both. Cogstate is a yes from Andrew. Uh, a hold from Gary, but on his watch list. Uh, Playside, a yes from, uh, from Andrew. It's a hold from Gary uh, after the big pop that it's had. If it sort of trades back to around that 70 cent mark, Gary would be, uh, would be loading up there. Navarre, a no, and Blackmore's a no. Here on the call, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year. Let's check out how it's been performing for the week up 2.6% for the month, uh, down 7.2% uh, since the 1st of July uh, last year, up 3% and since its inception, about 40%. And now before we get into the next five stocks, a bit of an update on the calls portfolio. Um, on the 1st of March, we'll be launching a brand new portfolio, which is a, a live fund with high conviction with a much smaller basket of stocks. How it will work is, yes, we'll keep covering your 10 stocks every day and our stock of the day, 11 stocks. We'll be asking our expert panel for a buy, hold or sell. So consider that the first filter. If the stocks get a unanimous buy or sell recommendation, we put that through to a new investment committee, which is gonna meet monthly that committee will decide whether to add or remove the stocks from the fund and uh, will take into consideration things like changing the weightings of the portfolio. The whole point of this is to give you a bit of an insight into how the experts think about portfolio construction and, uh, as Andrew was saying, opportunity costs, that sort of thing in their decision making. So each month there will be an extra edition of the call where we're going to take you inside the investment committee and see how it works and what they talk about. Um, if they need more information, for example, on a particular stock, we might bring in the chief executive of that particular company to answer their questions. So keep sending in your requests for your current portfolio and it will stay and as it is till the end of February, then we'll unveil our new strategy on the 1st of March.
At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, uh, this half hour, we're going to be talking about Whitehawk, uh, New Farm, uh, very similar to GrainCorp, uh, Volpara Health Technologies, Wham Microgab, and Big Tin Can. So let's get into uh, Whitehawk, Gary, and Simon says, or Simeon says rather, fair bit of steam's come out of the cybersecurity space, which Whitehawk is in. Wondering if this is one to get rid of or to add to at these current levels. Of course, it's a big global online security exchange and uh, has done pretty well increasing in increasing revenues over the last five years. It has done. It's just the uh, the size of this one, Koshi. It's just uh, market cap 24 mil. So um, that revenue um, was up pretty strongly for full year 21, but we're only talking about 3.4 million US. So Still, still relatively small. Just actually, really reminds me of um, Tesserant. If you go back, say three or four years, oh, it right. sort of um, it was a sort of small <clears throat> sort of tech play as well. So similar, you know, similar industry there. Um, but it took a long, long time for the, to get a bit of size and scale, a bit of traction there. Um, at twenty four mil, I mean, just your ASX fees every year um, is <laughs> um, you know you got to yep. you know got to pay got to pay for those. So you just really need to be getting some sort of Sort of scale here so look definitely one to watch it looks like it's you know i mean it's priced um it's definitely not expensive here um it's come up quite a bit the market cap is pretty small pretty tiny um so it is interesting i just think it's probably a little early here i think i mean it could just it could could hover here for another year mm. um but it really will need to start getting some sort of scale here so you want to sort of see that revenue line increase like it has done it's obviously up 180 percent for the for last year, which was a great jump, but you want to see more. When, you, when you're talking about a 24 mil market cap and only like three and a half, four million revenue, you, you know, you want to start to see sort of six, eight, ten million revenues before we start to see some yeah. price appreciation. But definitely interesting. I mean, um, Tesseron took a while, it took probably a couple of years to sort of get going, but then hmm. it did. So um, yeah, some okay. potential there for Whitehawk. Okay, Andrew. Yeah, I'm. I I don't mind microcap stocks uh, at all. It it, it um, a lot of people can't go there for liquidity reasons. But um, the good thing about not having you know millions and millions of dollars to invest is that you can pursue this if you're a small fish like I am. And I think there's some really great opportunity uh, in that space. But you know it it it's, it can be hyper volatile. And the reason they're on the market, despite those listing fees, is because it's an access to access to capital. And they need that to kind of scale. So um, uh, they they look as though the revenue is growing very strongly. Gary rightly says off a very small base. Um, they are still cash flow negative, but they're getting close to this inflection point as well. So um, it's so some of the positives. Really strong tailwinds in, in the cybersecurity sector. It's definitely a growth industry. They look to have some very good relationships, one being with the US Department of Homeland Security. There's a service agreement they've got with Dun & Bradstreet. 
uh, for an initial contract of two and a half thousand reports that they generate and uh, license fees there of close to a million Aussie dollars. That's going, that kicked off actually just recently. Um, and that, that's all pretty good. On the negative side of things, there has been a little bit of churn recently. So about 20% churn just up there for this kind of business. Gross margins only at around 50%. It's not super high for a tech business. And one of the flags for me, red flags for me here is that I, I love it when management are incentivized. And I think management should be very well uh, rewarded when they deliver for shareholders. But the, when you look at the KPIs, management here are very much rewarded around share price growth. And you know what you incentivize is what you get. So that sounds good. It sounds good, right? But generally speaking, those management teams that are hyper-focused on the share price aren't hyper-focused on long-term value creation. And so you tend to th make shorter term decisions. In the case of uh, Whitehawk, they're spending a, quite a bit of money on, on marketing and that, because again, you know, and investor relations and all this kind yep. of stuff to try and get some interest in the share price. I'm a big believer, and if you just get it done, the market will notice eventually. So it's not one for me on seven times sales, still a bit too early, some of those red flags. But look, it, here's the thing. It, um, I, I don't know it nearly well as, as, as Simon uh, probably does, who's, who's written in. If you feel as though they can maintain that sales trajectory and they can unlock a bit of operating leverage by keeping their costs pretty tight, then yeah, this, this thing could, could, could really look cheap in, in the years to come. It's just going to be a bumpy ride and it's going to be high risk. Okay. So pass for me though. All right. Anna wants a view, uh, Andrew, on New Farm, the uh, uh, seed and agribusiness uh, company had a uh, released a pretty good quarterly report report recently had a decent uh, increase in share price uh, brokers have upgraded their forecasts Macquarie Citigroup Bell Potter up to around that 630 640 650 mark uh, what do you think of new farm I'll cut and paste a lot of my comments uh, from from before um, yes they they can do really well when everything sort of lines up for them um, uh, unlike GrainCorp, they haven't done as well in, in managing their costs. Um, you'll look at these pan out here and you, you see a business that's an extremely lumpy performer and no criticism to management. That's just the industry that they're in. Um, oh, geez. So they're currently doing, what, $3.2 in sales. You know, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, just with general market growth, just as the industry itself grows. And there's some pretty decent tailwinds uh, here too, given the amount of arable land and the expected um, increase in food requirements, et cetera. They think that in another five years, they can grow that to 3.5 billion just by systems growth. And there's a number of growth initiatives that they look to add, look, were hoping to add another billion on top of that. Well, let's say that they get to that and, and maybe they will. It's still 7% per annum average uh, growth. Right. And for a business that's on a yield of one and a half percent, one point three percent, I think, and a PE of twenty-four, you know, you've yeah. got to think longer term with this. The, mar the market will say, "Oh, this is a great, great." You know, the next year is going to be fantastic, and it flies up. But it's like, well, unless there's consistency in that, and I think even the business is sort of saying, with all our growth ambitions, we might get seven percent top-line growth. You know, unless there's a massive improvement in margins, I think I just think you're going to struggle to do exceptionally well out of this business. So it's not, no. but, you know, more attractive okay. stuff out out there. Uh, Gary, what do you think? New Farm is like a seed bank, isn't it? A bank that gives out seeds to, or sells seeds to farmers. Yeah, look, I, I don't disagree with uh, what Andrew said there. I just think in this market here that um, market will be looking for a little bit of safety there. And obviously reporting season here is um, it's going to be pretty volatile. So I think you've seen with New Farm there. Look, I know that PE is not, you know, I think we're about 22, 23 forward PE. So obviously with that up, that update there may be slightly lower there, but 
look, not incredibly cheap, but um, I think the security there, um, there's still a positive outlook for the next 12 months. But so I, th I think the share price goes higher here in the short term. But, you know, I see most of brokers, yeah, you're right about you know, around that sort of 630, 640. So it might get up to there, but that's probably about it. I, that's probably be, I'd be a seller up there if I got up there. So um, right. it, might, it might be top of the cycle, you know. But um, yeah. I think the fact that the outlook is still pretty positive for the next 12 to 18 months, then the shares go a little bit higher here. So, but yeah, it's a bit of a risky, I wouldn't say it's a risky buy, but it's... Um, just yeah, this, you've sort of bought it after it's already popped here. So you know, in terms of your risk reward there. Um, so you'd hold it probably, if you got it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Look, I think I think it wants to go higher. I think oftentimes when you see, I've seen research before. Often, when you get an upgrade, um, then normally if you look three months ahead, I think it's like 80, 90 percent of the time you're you know, at least 10 or 15 percent higher if it's more than a certain right. percentage. So. It does, all the all the numbers suggest um, and the odds suggest uh, that the share price goes slightly higher here. But right. from risk reward point of view, you're pricing in a lot of the good news already. Um, right. I think the positive momentum carries it higher, but it's not not like a right. cracker or anything. It's just yeah. so so not a buyer. But if you're in it, hold it and then look to get out once it's up to that six thirty, six forty. I'd be getting out yeah around those broker uh, valves around six thirty, six forty for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Connor wants a view, Gary, on Bobpara uh, Health Technologies. The, uh, the imaging um, business, um, particularly in uh, breast imaging uh, facilities, which is a big growth area for it. Yeah, it's look, interesting business there. Again, it's a bit sort of specialised. Um, and it's obviously all, all that one sort of um, you know, breast cancer sort of segment. Obviously, you've got you know, cloud-based technology and stuff there. So... Yep. But uh, we're looking around 216 mil market cap. Um, I think 25 mil is the revenue guidance for full year 22. So that's not bad. So we're probably looking around 10 times sort of revenue. So that, that's okay in a high margin business. So I don't think that's incredibly um, expensive there. Um, but I noticed that uh, 21 mil in cash, I think they're burning about three, I think they burnt about 3.7 mil last quarter. So they're still sort of unprofitable. So as much as those revenue lines have improved and growing, um, I think 22, 23 going to be pretty negative. Um, so possibly break even towards 24. So right. still got a bit of time here before really. You know, just I think 12 months ago, no one really cared about companies where they made money. It was all about revenue line growth. But I think now everyone's taking a bit more care um, and looking for companies that are good earnings. So I think it's going to be a bit tough here. It's not, not expensive, but... Um, but yeah, I can see this share price coming back. I can see the price coming lower here. I just think the momentum's yep. on the on the downside here. I, I just think the share price will go lower. Okay, uh, Andrew. Yeah, so uh, breast screening um, uh, software, uh, incredible sales growth. I mean, two and a half million just a few years ago to eighteen million in the last financial year, and now reiterating guidance for twenty-five million. This is in Kiwi dollars. I should say it's a Kiwi yep. business. Um, yeah, that's in, that's insane growth, you know, and, and $21 million just in annualized recurring revenue. Most of their revenue is recurring. You know, in the US, they do more than a third of every breast screen out there. So there's still a ways to run there. There's other markets, of course. It's really, really impressive stuff and, and a really potentially nice business. 
The, the concern that I have is that although you've seen this eye-watering sales growth, you've seen an equivalent growth in costs. So the business has just continually and perpetually burned cash, um, you know, just really consistently. So they've, as Gary said, it, it averages about $3.5 million per quarter. It's $21 million left of cash in the bank. And I think you can be fairly forgiving of that for a business that's going after a bit of a land grab and, and the rest of it. But geez, it's it's been a long time coming and we're not even seeing that loss situation improve. I, I really think that shares are too expensive at this point, at least until you start to see some some of these scale advantages come in, in into into the business. And it's just not there at this at this point in time. So I, I think they're onto something really interesting. They just I don't know if they're managing their capital as effectively as they could. And on that basis, 10 times sales is just too rich for me. Okay. Uh, Andrew, Ellen wants a view on the WAM microcap uh, listed investment company, uh, as the name implies, invests in, in microcap companies. They've invested in groups like Ardent Leisure, Premium, Janison Education, uh, McGrath, Superloop and the like. Uh, had a pretty reasonable performance since uh, its inception in mid-2017. Oh, fantastic outperformance. So since then, the, the WAM microcap fund is up 24% per annum, a little bit more, in fact. And if you put that into the ASX Small Ordinaries Accumulation Index, that's up about 12%. So they've, they've yep. doubled the performance of their benchmark. Um, they've, they've gotten alpha outperformance of 13.9% uh, over the last three years and 20% over the last year alone. So, you know, uh, Jeff Wilson... Uh, uh, company or fund, I should say, is really doing well. And the interesting thing here is it's actually, this is something I'd be paying close attention to if I was an income investor. You kind of get a bit of best of both worlds here as well. So they, they pay a really good dividend and always have. Um, pretty consistent one too. So in this low interest rate environment, maybe that's changing, but even if it is slightly, you're still getting 4.2, 4.3% yield on top of all of that. So because as a as a stock picker, I, I don't tend to invest in funds because it feels like I'm outsourcing my work there. Um, but but uh, if I was to go for a, a microcap fund, I think you could do far worse than that. So if you want a nice hands-off approach with some steady hands on the wheel, I, I think I think it's pretty decent. Mm. Gary? Yeah, I think Andrew's bang on there. I think it's, um, look, it's had a cracking performance. The, the only thing I will say there is that, um, that the... And the recent NTA was around 176, and so, so so trading at a fair premium to that, even though that was a couple of weeks ago. Right. So, um, so it is sort of you know you find there with um, oftentimes with you know with Jeff Jeff Wilson's funds there, if they have a if they go through a really prosperous period, which obviously this has, then um, they 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 do tend to trade at a premium to their value, and then if they go through unpopular, they trade at a discount to their right. <laughs> to their value. So. <laughs> Uh, at the moment, they're trading at a premium to its uh, NTA, and my view, you know, the general market is that, um, you know, I think we're sort of going to have a bit of a growth crunch here in 2022 in the um, in the next couple of quarters here. So, I'm not sure microcaps is the place to be here. So, you, you know, if I was sort of if I'd, if I'd been lucky enough to be long sort of uh, where micro, then I'd probably be, you know, I'd be probably scaling out of that, maybe going into maybe a bit more of a values type of fund right. here, but. <laughs> This is to me. It's a great, you know, obviously great performance, great manager. I think, I think DGL was yeah. one of the big performers there the last quarter as well. So, um, been obviously great track record there, like a lot of the funds there. But for me, it's just not the right time to be buying right. microcap. Um, yep. Maybe in the second half of the year, I might come back and look at this one, but just the wrong timing. 
Okay. And our final stock, which we'll have to get through reasonably quickly, Gary, uh, Big Tin Can, um, which is like a, a sales software platform, a bit like a, an Australian version of Salesforce. Is that too, uh, too simpler a description of it? No, nothing. It's um, yeah. Without going to the, I, th- I thought the same. So I thought I thought yeah. when I looked, you know, yeah. So obviously that sort of smart sales enablement. Um, it is a really competitive environment. There's a lot of um, players in this space. So I know big, you know, um, BDH get a pretty good rating in terms of the competitors there. But um, it's trading on about eleven times revenue. So that's you know still still fairly high. So four hundred seventy five mil market cap revenue of what forty four. So it's not super expensive after this pullback. Um, I don't know. For me, it's a bit of a hold here. I don't really like it. But I, the only thing I will say is that around that sort of 75 to 80 cents is a big, big price support zone. So mm. I do think that is an interesting price level for the stock here. So the mm. fact that it has come back to it might, might be around about 10 times revenue at that point, it's probably not a bad price point there. Um, but yeah, I know a few of the brokers got some high valuations on it. But um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just more worried about the sector and um, and the general and, growth environment. Yeah, yeah. just growth stuff. Yeah, it's just not sure. right fit place. But I think there's uh, it's it's not expensive compared to some others there, so it looks okay. Okay, uh, Andrew, big ten can. Yeah, I'll keep it quick. Yes, it is on a high sales multiple, but that's probably justified by some very, very rapid growth. Cash receipts up 150% in the last quarter alone. Annualized recurring revenue, 130% for the year. Uh, they're on a four and a half times multiple in terms of that ARR figure. The, the, the thing is that's a little bit concerning is a lot of acquisitions sort of fueled growth here. I've um, only just tipped into cash flow positive, and that's making it a little bit more interesting. But I want to see some more consistency on that as the market is now more rightly focusing, not just on the top line. I think it's, it's that's important. So it's interesting, but I think you've got to go below the, the surface here. Sales enablement, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords when you go to their site. What does that actually mean? And what are, you know, what, what is the value prop here relative to the other, the other very significant competitive, competitive offerings that are out there? So it's a little bit in the too hard basket for me on, on that basis. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a pass. Okay. All right. Andrew Page from Strawman. Always great to uh, see you. Thanks for joining us. Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Uh, likewise, have a great, great week ahead. Thank you. See you guys. Thank you. All right, just to recap our final five stocks, uh, um, Whitehawk, a no from both. Uh, Gary's keeping a watch on it, though. New Farm, a no from Andrew. Uh, Gary's saying uh, it's a hold and likely to go higher to around that 630, 640, 650 mark, which uh, a lot of brokers are forecast. Uh, Gary's saying if it gets to that level, then sell it um, and take your profits. Uh, Volpara, a no from both. Uh, Wham Micro, if you want a, a one-stop shop for investing in micro microcaps, has done really well. Andrew is a yes on it. Um, Gary, a no, um, uh, because he thinks the market is going to go through a, a shakeout of all these growth stocks and microcaps could get hit over the next couple of months. So um, for him, he would revisit uh, Wham microcap around the middle of the year after the market has shaken out. And Big Tin Can, a uh, no from both of them. Um, here on the call, we take all of your suggestions and I put them to a, 
our uh, expert panel. If you've got any suggestions, put them in an email. Uh, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Don't forget, you can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Mm-hmm.